Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's double feature is the last action hero and the final girls. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Apparently Doug is a huge fan of Kanye West and couldn't wait to listen oh, yeah? to him talk to Donald Trump today. I just had to awesome. That's all. Congrats on following Satan to the promised land <laughs> <laughs> well tony uh doug gets to be an outside uh viewer because he lives in canada oh so. hey there it's, it's a lot funnier from up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh, i dated a canadian girl for for about a half a year and uh yeah she was definitely um that's that's pretty much all I ever talked about with her and her friends, you know. They're like, what's it like living in Trump's America? And I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, there was no way it was ever going to work out because there was no way she was ever going to come down here. Uh, she's like, as long as Trump's president, I will never, I will never live in America. I'm like, great. I can see this. I can see this relationship going places. Unfortunately, you can, you can, so you can bitch, bitch out Donald Trump for that one. Yeah, where are you? Uh, where are you located at in uh, um, in Canada? I'm like almost exactly halfway between Toronto and Montreal. Okay, she was in Peterborough, so that's kind oh, of around you, right? Yeah, it's just like a probably like an hour and a half drive from here. Okay, cool. Well, it's good to meet you, man. Too. <laughs> yeah, when he's not laughing at us for our horrible president. <laughs> Yeah, right. Doug enjoys, uh, enjoys watching some of the movies. Yeah, I've visited with... the country since the last time we re recorded. Oh, really? Yeah, I went down to the Buffalo for like a couple hours. You survived? They didn't like run you out of town with torches? and uh, uh, like, We don't want your free health care around here. Get out! The economy of the Buffalo area is heavily reliant on people like me driving over there to, drink sport, <laughs> to watch sporting events and turn around and drive home. <laughs> they're kind to us uh, I, d I did notice that our country now has to put up big signs headed towards the border that they're flashing signs that just say no cannabis at border <laughs> <laughs> so that that just got legal this month right yeah it's not even technically legal yet it's like in a few days so so is it um and and that's recreational or medicinal or what that's recreational Holy balls! You guys Tony's, are gonna be. Tony's moving to Canada. <laughs> I am. I'm not gonna move to Canada. Why not? Free healthcare, legal marijuana. 
Sig weeds for filmmakers. Speaking of which, if you're hearing these sultry tones and you're like, where's Noah? Noah's on a giant boat in the Caribbean right now. Man, uh, lucky bastard. I assume yeah. he's in the bottom of that boat with a bucket trying to make sure it makes it to the next island. Just <laughs> water out over the side. So. That's how I like to picture it. Yeah, we were asking Noah about all the mis- missteps about going on a cruise. And he said he's never heard a bad thing before. And I'm like, I don't know. I keep hearing like sewage problems so nobody's bathroom works. And You guys remember that boat in Italy like a couple of years ago that like flipped right over because the guy just drove a little too close to shore. Yeah. That was like, that was awesome. I hope that happens to know. So <laughs> he has a great story for next week's podcast. Wow. <laughs> Uh, he's gonna have like a yeah. Everybody went feral, and ever there was like different tribes on the boat, <laughs> like Lord of the Flies, but with tourists. <laughs> the stern people didn't talk to the bow people. <laughs> be great. Uh, so in his place we have uh, super super duper horror filmmaker uh, Tony Wash sitting in. Hey everybody! Super duper horror filmmaker, huh? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I don't know anybody else who's had three movies come out in the same year besides Dustin Mills. So you have to be a super duper filmmaker. All right, I guess I'll take it. Well, thank you. <clears throat> so what do we what do we got out? What do we got out that people can go look for right now? Uh, first movie that came out this year was The Rake, which was released by Sony um, back in June. You can pick up the DVD at Walmart or uh, pretty much, you know, family video. You can rent it or you can watch it on cable. I think it's on more or less every cable avenue um, as well as Amazon, iTunes, Voodoo, all that stuff. Um, that's kind of a psychological thriller creature feature. Um, and then... We are releasing next week, actually. Uh, the um, It's going to be available through Popcorn Flicks and Fright Picks, uh, Skeletons in the Closet, which is a 80s-style horror anthology. And um, that's a lot of fun. That stars uh, Scream Queen Ellie Church. And uh, it's a pretty cool movie. And then uh, apparently in the next month or so, it sounds like High and the Hog is actually coming out. That soon? Yeah. <laughs> Which, which when I say actually coming out, you can understand that uh, I say it like that because it's been six years. So it's like everything's finally coming out at the same time. It's weird. I know you were complaining for a while that you didn't have anything out. People are going to forget about you, but now you have three movies in the same year. So, but I mean that's that's unfortunately how the how society is nowadays and how the industry is. I mean, from a chance in hell which I released in 2012 and made in 2010 until pretty much the last maybe year to two years. You know, when I got hooked up with Bloody Disgusting for a World of Death, I hadn't been going to conventions. So there was a good three or four year gap there. And in that amount of time, it's like people forget about who you are and what your stuff is. And then you have to kind of play catch up and it sucks. Yeah. Brian's like Brian's like yeah, shut the fuck up, man. No, no, no. I know exactly what you mean because I don't really go to conventions that much anymore either. And uh, we just went to Cinema Wasteland over the weekend, and we didn't know anybody there. So right, it's weird, right? We felt like we felt kind of bored because we were just like we walked the floor, and I was like, well, I guess we're done. We got a three day pass, but 
I don't know what else to do. Did you get some independent movies? Because that's the fest or that's the convention to go to to get indie movies. Uh, no, I did not. No. Yeah, nothing really looked good, so I just kind of I picked up uh, I picked up Fright Night Two on Blu-ray from oh. Germany. Oh. Because you can't get it in the United States on Blu-ray, but it's region-free, so it's okay. And then I uh, bought a T-shirt, and that was it. Do the vampires sprucked Deutsch? Uh, they do. There is an English setting, but I haven't watched. I haven't watched anything on it yet since you know. I'm not sure if that movie's better in English or in another <laughs> language. Doug, it's Blu-ray. You can see roller skating vampires in high def. Why would you not want it? <laughs> Um, I think you might answer your own question there. <laughs> uh, no, but I have it on DVD, and that DVD is still going for like sixty bucks on on Amazon. So now that I've upgraded the Blu-ray, I may sell that DVD. It's not a bad idea. And I'll have made like forty dollars in the process. That'll be great. That seems well worth it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant investment strategy you have there. Exactly. Buy a movie for a decade. <laughs> I remember I bought it like super cheap, like when DVDs first came out. I'm like, eh, Friday night too. And then didn't really think about it. And then people kept telling me, like, you know, that's out of print and like a $200 DVD, right? I was like, really? Well, I'm not going to sell it. And now it's down to 60 but I'll totally sell it because I'll, I got the book. I'm going to go right on the record here and say if anybody wants to come over and look through my DVD collection and give me $200 for any one disc, it doesn't matter. You take your pay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're all like Canadian, so they don't play on our players, right? No, they do. Oh, do they? Yeah. Yeah, we're all one. So region. region one. Okay. Yeah, region one's North America. Gotcha. I but, you think I know that. <laughs> but you may get cover art that also has French titles on the spine. Ooh. Ooh yeah. wee. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you can reverse the uh, the sleeve and have it be french and then english and then on the other side it's english oh. then french it's really exciting <laughs> fancy other times there's just like an extra card inside with all the french on it that they're legally required to put in it's just <laughs> they just print it off and toss it in the canadian ones damn french canadians uh so tony if people want to go check out some of your stuff where do they go find you on the internet uh the interwebs are um are ripe with Scotchworthy Productions content at scotchworthy.com, which is like a bottle of scotch and worthy, like we are not worthy, but it's all one word. Um, That's our company, Scotchworthy Productions. So you can either go to scotchworthy.com or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. It's just like, you know, my Instagram automatically posts to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. So, yeah, I just, I don't like uh, Twitter. I, I never have liked it mainly because it limits how many words you can use <laughs> or whatever. You know I like to talk. Tony's got too much to say. Twitter I always Twitter can't handle handle Tony Wash. Yeah, I always have too much to say. You should know that. <laughs> so. But yeah, nice. um that's that's pretty I I mostly use Instagram and Facebook to uh promote our stuff currently. Um and we're at a lot of the Midwestern conventions, the Days of the Dead. Whorehounds. I know we're setting up to screen Skeletons in the Closet at the Whorehound in Cincinnati in March. We're going to be at Days of the Dead in Chicago in November. Um, 
So I'm going to try and step up my uh, my presence at the conventions over the next year now that we actually have merchandise to sell. I'm uh, talking to Chris Kuchta about like kind of going in and we'll each buy a table, but we'll do it together so that we're next to each other and, and get like a, you know, 25 bucks off the table or whatever and trying to hit up some more nationwide conventions, which would be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And I'm also going to be down in uh, Bloomington, Normal, Illinois in, uh, yeah. in a week, hanging out with Bry Guy over here. Two weeks. In two weeks? Yeah, two yeah. weeks. <laughs> hanging out with Bry Guy. What, yeah. what, what is that? What are we doing? Uh, Tales of Terror Live. They're having a bunch of horror authors and filmmakers and whatever just having tables doing some doing some chats me and you are doing a uh, top five obscure 80s horror movies that we're going to chat about so you better make your list up yeah i mean i didn't even know that's what we were doing so it's a good thing to know so um <laughs> so okay so i have to, i have to come up with the top five Obscure '80s horror movies, huh? Yeah, I figured that'd be right up your alley. Hell yeah, it's right up my alley. I'll do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, in case nobody knows, Tony has a giant boner for '80s horror movies. Gigantic boner. It's massive. And it's a good thing we had him on this episode because neither one of them are from the '80s. Yeah, we do a lot of '80s horror on this podcast, and we just decided to avoid that altogether. <laughs> oh, that's all right. You know, I mean, uh, it's still gonna be a good time. I haven't. And I still, I didn't end up watching Last Action Hero, so I haven't seen oh. that in a while. Um, so that you know be... what happens? That means you got to watch Spider movies for next week. <laughs> spider movies? Yeah, that's, that's the rules around here. Apparently, like Lava Lantula. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean... I so I made Doug and our former host Scott watch uh, Blown Away, the horrible movie with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman yeah. in it. Yeah. And I didn't watch it because I knew how terrible it was. So they watched it and were pissed off that I made them watch it. And they know I hate spiders, so we had to watch spider movies for the next, like, two weeks. It sucked. Gotcha. That sounds like a good time. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I thought it was great. (laughs) I actually have big-ass spider in my Amazon Prime queue because I know... I I really like Mike Mendez, uh, at least his earlier movies. Um you know, with the convent and uh, grave dancers, as particularly the convent. I think it's a great film. Um, and so I, uh, I was going to check that out just as maybe one of the thirty-one movies to watch in Derek's group. I don't know mm-hmm. if both of you guys are in that or not. Brian, are you in that? I'm in the group, but I don't ever participate. I ain't got enough hey, time. You're such a boner. You're so, you're always so fucking pissed off and don't want to hang I'm out with your friends. <laughs> oh, that's far from the truth. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I just don't have time, and I watch horror movies all year round, so. Must be nice. But, I, uh, I literally don't. That I uh, like so, I, well, I, I just don't have the time. Like, literally, I was, I've subjected my girlfriend to, like, ten movies in the last ten days, and she's, she's like, wow. longer your girlfriend? No, no, she is still my girlfriend. She actually likes scary movies. That's part of why we get along. So. I know, but the movies you picked, I figured she'd be like, "Yeah, we need to uh, maybe not do this no more." She she uh, had never seen a handful of them, so it was a good thing. Like she'd never seen *Fright Night*. Obviously, neither of us had seen *Fright Night* too. 
I'd seen parts of Fright Night too, but never the whole thing. Oh, uh, you've never um, seen it before? No, I'd never seen it, so that was pretty cool. And I uh, was glad that you guys, you and Ian, had said let's do that because um, for our podcast in two weeks. Mm-hmm. See, at least I got that date down. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Tony are going to be showing up on Talk Without Rhythm. Just one giant circle jerk of podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's getting it's getting the gang back together. <laughs> so yeah good stuff um well tony had never seen friday Night 2 before and i also know doug had never seen last action hero before uh doug you want to give us a quick rundown of last action hero um sure yeah some kid that really likes movies and for some reason hangs out with this old projector guy is given a magic movie ticket and he gets sucked into his favorite action series. Um, hangs out there for a while. The villain steals his ticket, escapes to the real world. He and the action hero, Jack Slater, have to uh, follow him out into the real world. Um, yada, yada, yada. They fight, kill the bad guys. Then he's got to rush Jack Slater back to the movie world before uh, he dies from succumbing to actual injuries incurred in the real world. Plot-wise, it's very simple. <laughs> I mean, a lot of crazy shit happens in this movie. It's not all. It's not very plot-driven. There's, also, there's a scene in the middle where a uh, a fat guy is filled with explosives. His name is the fart, and he's going to blow up and kill everyone at a mobster's funeral. So, uh, you know that old gem. Yeah. Um. So, being your first time seeing it all the way through. What did you think of Last Action Hero? Because I figured this would be a movie to be right up your alley. Um, all right, so I, I didn't love this movie, I'll tell you that. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I um, I don't know. If there was something weird about this movie. It's like, it was 90s action, which 80s action is great. 90s action is not as good. Hmm. And I found that... So the first chunk of the movie that takes place in the movie world they spend a lot of time pointing out that there are no consequences for anything mm-hmm. uh, and then they proceed to spend a long time showing you action sequences you already explained to us that there are no consequences to these sequences that makes them a lot less fun to watch right like when you know for like you always know in an action movie that the hero is not going to get hurt seriously and he's not going to die but when they actively tell you that in dialogue and then proceed to have the action sequence, it really takes some of the fun out of watching it. Um, and then when they escape back to the real world, they commit the cardinal sin of any movie, which is that they establish their rules and then break them. They spend a long time setting up the idea that this Jack Slater character who's come out into the real world is going to have to he's going to have to deal with real consequences to his actions and he's going to have to, you know, he, he punches through a, a window and it actually hurts his hand. And he, if he gets shot, he's actually going to risk dying. But then when the time comes for the climax, it's such big, dumb over the top action movie stuff that it doesn't belong in the real world. And so you, you've established the rules and then you're immediately breaking them. And that to me is like when, when a movie doesn't follow, it's, own universe rules that that's unforgivable 
So mm-hmm. it's not to say there wasn't a lot of fun scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme is in it. That's always positive. <laughs> but it just it just didn't quite work for me. And I also think it's it's just too damn long for the, for what it is as a movie. Two hours and ten minutes or something like that. Yeah. For what's essentially kind of a kid's movie, a kid's action movie, that's that's a little much. Well, I will tell you, they had a bunch of production problems. One of them being the length of the movie. Okay. It was originally two hours and 20 minutes. Oh, well, masterfully, they cut it down to 210. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's worth the the time and effort to go back and forth with the studio notes to cut that little bit out. Um, Yeah, they had a lot of production problems that apparently lasted. They were still shooting the movie until a week before its premiere. Uh, yeah, there was a bunch of like issues. Like they had a screening that went terribly, so they wanted to redo a bunch of stuff. Um, and then the problem is Jurassic Park moved up into the summer and opened a week before them, and they refused to change their their uh, premiere date because they figured that would look weak. So they uh, kept it. And so they didn't they didn't have time to like re edit a bunch of stuff and sort of finesse it or whatever. So maybe you saw a lot of that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It would But I mean a lot of it would have been problematic at the script level. Like my like my big my biggest issue is the, the breaking of their own rules in the latter part of the movie. And you know, I mean, there's a scene where after we've established that we're in the real world, there's a scene where a guy with an axe jumps off the top of a balcony in the theater, mm-hmm. hooks the axe into the curtains and rides it down. And then the little kid is like running around shooting at people and all this stuff that can't happen in the real world. It's like that would have all been in there at script level. That's not a an editing problem or a... Mm. They, that's not a problem that could that would should have been needed to fix with reboots. That's a problem maybe in the movie itself built into the movie. Yeah, I don't know. That didn't bother me as much. I felt like it was it was basically saying like we're gonna make fun of the big action tropes and then take one of those action figures, put them in the real world, but then at the end still remind you that it's still just a big dumb action movie, so not to think about it too hard. And they, there's several times they kind of look into the camera and say, Don't nitpick, don't nitpick, don't nitpick. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But, I don't know how to not nitpick. So. <laughs> nitpicked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they kept telling me not to nitpick. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't tell me when I can and when I can't nitpick. I will nitpick at my own discretion. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, well, I went and saw this in the theater when it came out, and I absolutely loved it. And then didn't see it for a long time. And then I remember a bunch of people just talking shit about it, about how bad it was, and I was like, they're probably right. That's probably horrible. And then I rewatched it like five years ago, and I was like, no, I still love this movie. What more people complained about. It's just a 90s action movie, and that's the problem, is I think that a lot of people are accustomed to modern action films, which are, are a lot more set in reality. And as, mm-hmm. as crazy and outlandish as 80s action movies were, the 90s, I almost feel like, just kind of built on that and went to the next, the next level. And it's almost too hokey. So now people are kind of like, eh, I just don't want to deal with it. I mean, look at True Lies, for example. That movie's absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. You know? 
So yeah, and that that also sort of plays into it. I just don't know. Like some of the things I read is people just may not have been ready to see Schwarzenegger kind of making fun of himself. And so then when he did it, everybody was kind of like, eh, I don't like it. But then when like True Lies came around and everybody seemed to really enjoy it, even though it was, I mean, it was a lot more subtle than this movie was, obviously, but they still kind of winked at the camera a little bit more than most action movies. Yeah, I just, I also think part of the problem might be Schwarzenegger might not have the acting chops to pull off this role. Um, to try and walk, to try and play up camp is very, very difficult. So he can, we know he can do action. Commando's the greatest thing ever created. We know he can do comedy movies like I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a good comedy, like, but movies like Twins or something. Twins. Like I haven't seen that movie in years, but it was definitely a funny movie at the time. Audiences liked it at the time. But he's just playing full hardcore comedy to walk this sort of action comedy line that he has to in this movie. I'm not sure if he has that. True Lies, they just relied on the people around him to do the comedy part, and he was just the, the action yeah. guy. Well, I mean, it's Bill Paxson. You don't need anything else other than Bill Paxson. You could just put a camera on Bill Paxson for an hour and a half and film it and put it in theaters, and I'd be happy to see it. Not now, but back then. It'd be a little weird now, but it's just awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to make a Bill Paxson his dead jokes. I have too much respect for him. Uh. So, Tony, what did you think of this movie, even though you didn't watch it? Well, apparently I have to watch spider videos now, so I'm not even going to talk about it because I'm just <laughs> disappointed in myself. Um, I I always liked that last action hero. It was one of those fun, again, over-the-top 90s action films, which all of them were over-the-top. And um, I just, I guess I was just accustomed to it at that point because... Every other Schwarzenegger film leading up to that was always over the top. You look at Predator and no, Commando again. Stallone. <laughs> good one. That's good. Um, so yeah, you know, I I just I really liked a lot. I saw it in the theater as a kid. So what that what was that? Ninety three, ninety four. Ninety three. Yeah. So I mean, I was I was thirteen years old, and and I I just I was blown away. I was like, this is awesome. I. It had the horror element because, in my opinion, the the killer was um, well, the Ripper. Yeah, the Ripper was was kind of a creepier character. I really liked how they made him look, uh, you know, with the the raincoat and the the fire axe and everything. And then, um, uh, you know, and then you've got Schwarzenegger doing what Schwarzenegger does best. Plus, I love the dude with the fake eye. You know, kind of popping. Was that Brian? Uh, Brian, not Brian Dennehy. Um, it's Charles Dance. Char, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he looks like the he looks like the dude from um, uh, from FX and FX Two. You know, uh, it's, yeah, it's Brian Dennehy. Yeah, he looks like Brian Dennehy a bit. I know he's in Alien Three, but mm. man, I'm sounding really uneducated at the moment. But yeah, I just I really liked how. I liked how it incorporated the the Hollywood aspect of it. Obviously, I'm a um, I'm a big uh, fan of of just cinema in general. So, kind of seeing how they incorporated a, a lot of uh, a lot of Los Angeles and um, into the locations and stuff was really cool. I liked the whole idea of being in a movie and and uh, 
you know, kind of what freedoms you have when you're in the movie. And I can understand where you're coming from and talking about the, the criticisms of it. But, you know, I, th- I, I'm pretty much at the point where I believe that any movie that, that is from the eighties or nineties that you watch nowadays and had never seen in the eighties or nineties when you were growing up, you're going to end up hating. Um, or you're going to think it's cheesy because that's how it's even been with me to a degree. I, I feel like I've watched a couple films recently um, and I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't see what the big deal was about that. And I think it's because you, you know, you didn't watch it as a kid. Um, I can certainly say that's how my girlfriend felt about Fright Night. And I was blown away. I was like, dude, Fright Night's a classic. She's like, yeah, it was cheesy. So I was like, oh, wow. All right. Yeah, I, th- I think there's some validity to what you're saying because you guys are talking about being excited to see this movie in theaters, and I think I'm maybe just a year older than you guys kind of thing, and I was just past wanting to watch these movies. I was just kind of starting high school, and I was becoming a bit of a cinema snob as I was learning about movies. So this is like in 93 or 94, this would have come out on video, and I would have been sneaking into The Crow and watching Shawshank Redemption over and over again on video when this would when this was the other option and it's just not something that would have interested me at the time so had it been something i was looking forward to at the time had seen it with through a different set of eyes the first time then there might be a nostalgic factor to it now the same way there is probably with some 80s movies you're probably right when i show commando to people who have never seen it they might not like it as much as i do um having seen it a lot of times as a kid so there's definitely i think an element to that somebody doesn't like commando you stop talking to those people all right for sure that's a given <laughs> but it has happened uh, uh i had an eloquent point and i completely forgot it no it like twice a week where you say you had an eloquent point and then you say you forgot it I'm starting yeah. to think you're just making that shit up you're like trust me i have smart things to say i do i have smart things to say um, I did like the, the fact that the LAPD is like the LAPD for every movie set in LA. So like when they go walking in, there's Sharon Stone's character from Basic Instinct and yeah. the T-1000 walking out. And of course, they they showed them pairing up random people for buddy cop movies. So of course, there's an animated cat voiced by uh, Danny DeVito. I did enjoy that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and then what's the one towards the end? The digitally, uh, the digital incarnation of Humphrey Bogart or whatever. Yeah, a, a lot of that was fun to watch. Watching those little moments. Um, I I bet ninety three that was like a hundred million dollar, like special oh. effect. And they're like, oh no, we need it in the movie. Yeah, very big deal. So <laughs> that was one area where I thought the film had a missed opportunity. Was once the villain had the had the movie ticket like and he could have done anything it would have been fun to see him assemble like a team of villains from other movies to come back rather than just bringing in a character from earlier in this movie but yeah yeah i think a lot of that is because this is a sony film like if this would have been like a warner brothers film they could have easily just cherry picked stuff from their yeah their vault or whatever but like like yosemite sam or some shit that would have been awesome I mean, they owned Freddy Krueger at the time. At least they did through New Line. So they could have brought him in, even though he does get a name drop in the movie. Yeah, um, that's, that would have been awesome if they could have brought in characters like that and had them just running around the you know the quote-unquote real world. 
that would have been a really fun thing to do and have them interact with this Jack Slater character. I think that <laughs> that that could have been great. But uh, we do get to see the incarnation of Death from the uh, Seventh Seal. Yeah, played in this is, movie by uh, Ian McKellen, which is interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Like, I really enjoyed that. I liked watching him come out of the screen and everything. But then after the movie was over, I got to thinking, like, most of this is a kid's movie. Do kids know who that is? Especially <laughs> kids in 93 who don't have access to the internet to Google it. Like, I don't know. It's neat to me, though. <laughs> I just assume kids who saw this movie in theaters in 93 assume that's death from, like, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Well, I, I feel like back then, kids just were, you know, not better informed overall, but, you know, just knew classic imagery such as death being you know kind of the grim reaper type of thing and um obviously minus the whole skull persona but um it, it just seemed like a an easy classic nod for them to look at and say oh yeah well that's death pretty clearly you know yeah they wouldn't have known the movie reference but they would have recognized the image i suppose mm-hmm. um son of a bitch there was something else I was going to bring up, but I can't believe I forgot what it was. <laughs> How is it I'm the one that lives in the country with legal pot and you're the one with the short-term memory loss? This doesn't make any sense. I know, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, oh, oh, apparently, oh. originally, the original script, the tone of it was supposed to be an R rating. Oh, really? Schwarzenegger's the one who worked it down to a PG-13 just so it would have a broader appeal because this is the first time Schwarzenegger was ever an executive producer on anything. So he was like super involved with like every step of the the movie production. See, I find that interesting because I think this movie kind of tried to walk a line between being a, an adult action movie and a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like that was maybe a struggle behind the scenes, them wanting to know. They couldn't decide which audience they were going for. Mm. Because you really probably wouldn't hire John McTiernan to direct if you wanted to make a kid-friendly movie. Mm-hmm. My instincts don't tell me that that's what you would do. No, and I mean, I don't know how the truth, because it's IMDb, but apparently they wanted, they uh, they approached like Spielberg to do it. He said no. Uh, apparently they approached Zemeckis to do it. He said no. And so since uh, Schwarzenegger had worked with McTiernan before, kind of got him on board. Yeah. See, both of those other choices, I think, make more sense for this movie. Mm-hmm. And then apparently they brought Shane Black in to rewrite part of the script, just add more action scenes. So maybe that's where you get the super over-the-top action stuff that just sort of comes out of nowhere in the movie world. But I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious who's responsible for the, the writing of the climax, because that's where I feel the action was ridiculous. Like, some of the other action, it was just was in the fake world so you could do whatever you wanted mm-hmm. hmm. anyways well instead of just being downers this whole time <laughs> what, what were some of your favorite moments in the movie because I, I think the movie had a lot of fun moments <laughs> well I mean it's I guess it's more of a sad moment but when we finally see Jack Slater's apartment and there's like nothing <laughs> in it but a mattress and he just automatically shoots the closet He's like, why'd you do that? He's like, there's a guy in there. He's like, there's always a guy in there. 
That's hilarious. I love that moment. Because he mutters something like, it costs me so much in closet doors. See, and that's what I liked about the movie was that it, it really didn't take itself seriously. And so, to me, it was just a lot of entertainment, you know, throughout the whole running time. As much as it is two hours and ten minutes long. Probably doesn't need to be. But... I just always thought it was a fun kind of tongue-in-cheek movie, you know. Uh, yeah, he falls in the tar pit, just uses, like, paper towel to wipe himself off, and then he's perfectly clean afterwards. The kid has a great little line, too, where he's like, you know, tar sticks to some people. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah, there's, there's, there are a lot of fun moments like that. I like when Schwarzenegger tackles Schwarzenegger. You get... Um, oh yeah, like the actual arm shorts are tackling the character he's playing, and he's like, "Hey, you're one of the best celebrity lookalikes I've ever seen." <laughs> it's like, yeah, contact my agent. We can use you for like mall openings and stuff. <laughs> Actually, uh, that, that's when Schwarzenegger was probably doing the best at making fun of himself. Was when he was playing himself in the movie, and he's like arguing with his wife on the way to the premiere, <laughs> and she's like, "Quit promoting the restaurant all the time and stuff like that." <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering, like, how, like, how he felt about that. Because it's like, okay, we're going to get your wife, and she's going to tell you, stop promoting the restaurant because it's tacky. How do you feel about the restaurant chain that you own being called tacky by your wife? In in a movie where you're the executive producer and star. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Little we know, that wouldn't hold up. Because apparently he would have sex with his maid and ruin his marriage. Yeah, I'd have to look at the timeline to find out whether he'd already had sex with the maid or not. <laughs> you think these Hollywood people would just hire like eighty-year-old women to be their maids instead of you know nubile twenty-two-year-old Polish girls? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was the problem. <laughs> I just love the idea that Arnold Schwarzenegger is like. He was born in, like, Austria, trained to become, like, Mr. Universe. Comes over here, becomes this giant movie star. But you can't expect the guy to not sleep with a maid if she's attractive. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have that kind of self-control. That's good. Uh, What are some of your favorite parts, then, since you were not as much of a fan of this movie as we were? Um... See, I liked the part where okay, so where the guy is uh, when they're they have the funeral scene where the fat guy is stuffed with explosives. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the scene itself not great, but the lead up to it, where they're doing the it's almost like a scene from Batman sixty six where they're all just piecing together exactly what the plan is <laughs> for like on no information. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I, I did. I liked the, the the shooting the guy in the bedroom quite a bit. I liked. Uh, what are some other ones? I liked a lot of the stuff at the very beginning of the movie, where it was just the kid interacting with that old guy. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I, I was really jealous of that kid for getting to go to movies on that terrible, terrible street in New York. No, um, I feel like this is a great capture of just the the very end of old grimy New York. Yeah, it's just it's one of those moments where like when you see that street with all the different theaters on it and you're just like, Oh 
I want to live in that world where there's a, a street full of theaters and you just you pick which movie you want to go see and hope that theaters you know you don't get stabbed in it. And, yeah, it and when you could when you could still go and hang out with somebody who's not your parent and not have people automatically think that they're sexually molesting you. <laughs> yeah. That too. Yeah, that, I went that there. is another I major there, change. You know? <laughs> no, so, no, it makes sense. I, mean, you, I don't you were know if people... that earlier. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't know if you, like younger people listening know that like I had adult friends when I was a kid. I'd go like I collected hockey cards. I went to the card store and I hung out with the other adults that collected hockey cards, and no one thought that was weird at the time. <laughs> now that would just be unheard of. Yeah. yeah. I grew up, I grew up in a super small town, so like. I'd go down to air up my like bike tire at the gas station. I would sit and talk to the guy working at the gas station for like half an hour. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, it's not like it used to be. Can't even go hang out with an old guy in a rundown movie theater anymore without people jumping to conclusions. There's a closed movie theater in our downtown. Maybe I'll try to buy it and just hire an old guy to hang out there and see if kids show up. I don't know. <laughs> that could probably get me in some kind of trouble. If you Mark. give him candy bars, he'll probably get a lot of kids to hang out with him. <laughs> You've got a lawsuit waiting to happen. Uh, so I guess overall, did you did you at least enjoy yourself, Doug? I know you had some nitpicks, but... You, you didn't have a bad time watching it, I'm hoping. I didn't hate watching it, but like I say, it, it crossed the line for me at the end. It broke the cardinal rule that takes it from being from me being able to just go, okay, it's just a big dumb movie. To, no, you set up your own rules, and then you broke them. Unacceptable. So it, it, it crossed that line at the end. Well, Tony, I want to ask you, because you didn't bother to watch it. Yeah. Son of a bitch. But you will be writing in next week to review yeah, but, Spider movies. But I've, I've seen Last Action Hero a dozen times easily. I mean, it's, you know, so it's I, again, uh, one of those films from it. my childhood. Uh, I still absolutely enjoyed it. Had a great time watching it. I was actually very surprised how much it had in common with the next movie we're going to talk about. Yeah, they are surprisingly similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we followed that up with The Final Girls, which came out in 2015. Uh, and this deals with a group of kids. There's one girl who her mom was an actress and was sort of famous for being in a movie called Camp Bloodbath, which is pretty much Friday the 13th. Um, she dies in a car accident, and then a couple years later, a friend of hers tries to talk her into coming to a special screening of the first two Camp Bloodbath movies. And uh, she finally gives in. They go. The theater catches on fire, as what happens. And uh, they try to escape by slicing through the screen and running through. But instead of exiting the theater, they end up in the movie. And then they uh, find themselves in a typical 80s slasher movie and have to figure out how they can sort of play along with the movie until they can figure out how they can get out of the movie and go home. All the while playing into every 80s horror stereotype that has ever existed. So Doug, what did you think of Final Girls? I liked this one quite a bit. Um, okay. I, <laughs> I, 
the movie <laughs> hooked me early um, just because when the fire starts in the theater, it's literally like people doing all of the 80s things that you're supposed to get punished for in slashers is what starts the fire. Uh, and I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's like it's like the one guy's smoking a joint and the other guy's drinking underage and he spills his booze and the spark from the joint lands in it and stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's where we're at. Um, and I thought there was like some some really funny moments. I thought the movie was scared to commit a little bit. Um, sometimes they weren't re- ready to go full kind of slasher movie and sometimes they weren't ready to go full comedy movie so there was a few scenes that suffered from that most notably the lack of gore um, yeah that's a good point like like metaphorically there's a character because it's supposed to be an 80s movie there's a character wearing one of those crop top shirts it's kind of like a looks like a football jersey that's been cut off but it's not quite low enough so his belly's not exposed for the whole movie and I, was, I think that's kind of the metaphor for the whole movie they weren't quite ready to commit to being what they wanted to be <laughs> So they'll put him in the shirt, but not quite. Um, and yeah, like when. And the other thing I thought, the, the criticism of the movie would be that when they try to go a little bit more serious and have a little bit more of a dramatic tension, mm-hmm. it's not that it's done poorly, but it kind of feels like it's a bit forced in. Maybe like cutting from one scene that's full comedy to another scene that's like a, a drama scene without. I don't know, without a proper break in between, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to completely forgive that because it's obviously like a much, like a low budget film. You, you know, you kind of, I don't know who edited the movie, but probably there's, it's reasonable to say they wouldn't have had as much time and resources to get all that stuff perfect. So overall, I, I thought it was, it was pretty funny. I liked the look of the killer guy. I liked most of the characters. So pretty good. What about you, Tony? What did you think? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a like a hodgepodge between like um, I guess Lax Action Hero is a really good comparison, and like Stage Fright and uh, um, like Friday Thirteenth. And so I thought it was a cool premise, and uh, I enjoyed seeing a relatively independent movie thinking outside the box. Um, you know, taking a cliche plot and, and incorporating a cool enough twist to make it unique. But I agree 100% with Doug. I think that it's like because they were, I don't know if they felt like they couldn't make it scary because of the outlandish nature of, of, of what happens where they go into the movie. Um, I agree that it's like they had a hard time discerning in between whether it was a comedy or a horror film. And so that that kind of um, that kind of always rubbed me the wrong way with it, you know, because I and Brian, you well know that I'm I'm not necessarily as big a fan of horror comedy as I am strictly horror. Um, I, I can appreciate horror comedy, and, and I like this movie. I thought Final Girls was a a fun and entertaining film, but at the end of the day, I would much rather have something riding in one genre specifically if possible and and i feel like they could have taken this that route um and made it a a strictly horror film uh but at the same time i feel like audiences nowadays have a harder time grounding themselves outside of reality you know i feel like 
I feel like more realistic horror films are more popular nowadays. Um, and maybe that's just the, the people are having a harder time with the suspension of disbelief. Um, so I don't know if this film would have been as successful had it been someone stepping into Sleepaway Camp 3, you know, type of thing. Um, but I, I definitely had an issue with that. And kind of been watching it, I almost felt like they they dragged it on a little bit just because they had to, you know, they had to make it a feature length. You know, I feel like the the idea to a to an extent it's like they they learn early on that there's that there's a killer and that you know that they they need to protect themselves and then things keep happening it's almost like the cliche things keep happening that you know it's like well shit this just happened so we kind of have to run away or leave the cabin or you know it, it's almost like it, it took those tropes and and played off of them but to me, it almost became redundant, if if that makes sense. Mm, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it did. I think uh, I think Tony raises a good point about it. It it did feel like it dragged on a little bit uh, in sort of the middle part where they were they didn't know what to do, so they just kind of kept trying to play off the hey look this is what would have happened in 80s horror hey look this is what would have happened in 80s horror and there wasn't necessarily plot points or character development going along with that to make those jokes feel like they mattered mm -hmm. I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that Tony used <laughs> Sleepaway Camp 3 as a example of a, somebody walking into a serious horror movie <laughs> no retort I haven't seen Sleepaway Camp 3. I'm unqualified to come in. More so that, you know, <laughs> uh, Tony's, Tony's in robot, robot mode. Yeah. Robotic? Yeah, you were totally, like, slow-mo talking robot Sweet. voice. Sweet. You should go watch Sleepaway Camp 3. It has some cool death scenes. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't enjoy Sleepaway Camp 3. I'm just saying, using that as an example of someone walking into a serious horror movie seems a little uh, <laughs> a little off the mark. Meaning solely that it is a rated R horror film. So there is blood, guts, tits, and ass. And Final Girls didn't have any of that. You know, I mean, Final Girls was a rather tame movie, I think, overall. Yeah, it was a PG-13 movie. Yeah, yeah it, it would have benefited greatly had there been better kills in it and uh well the dummy tits nest is always good not necessarily necessary in the film but it would have helped play up that sort of trope of 80s filmmaking had they been willing to go that far well and, and the interesting thing to me is if you think about it the people who are going to be interested in my opinion to watch a movie called the final girls which is making fun of 80s slasher films are either going to be old enough to watch a rated r comedy horror about people going into an 80s horror slasher film or the kids that are going to watch it are going to have seen all those 80s slasher films anyway so why why make it PG-13 and try and appeal to a younger demographic when the people that it's geared towards are specifically people watching rated R horror films you know it, it just seemed like it it you know it, there's so many horror movies that I think that take on the PG-13 
rating so that they can appeal to that wider and younger demographic. And I don't think it was necessary in this case. Now, maybe the box office success or failure of it speaks otherwise, but I, I happen to think that, but I'm also one of those people who's a firm believer that horror films should be rated R across the board. You know, I, I don't understand why they make PG-13 horror movies. Um, PG-13 doesn't mean it's not scary. Totally. I And I get that. And, and I think that there's plenty of examples. I mean, pretty much every theatrically released Blumhouse movie in the last five years has been PG-13, right? Or, or are the Insidiouses and all those are? Uh, I think there are. Oh, really? Cause, I'll, I'll have to double check. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, I understand that there's a fine line and that PG-13 can still have really... Um, legitimate horror elements in it and and ultimately atmosphere is not rated so if you have good atmosphere and if you're doing a good job of building tension it doesn't matter if it's g for that i mean i guess four-year-olds aren't going to be watching the shining but yeah <laughs> cool but, four-year-olds uh, will be yeah, yeah four-year-olds i i raised might have to so <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i know jason kane's son is four years old and he's definitely seen the shining so but uh, but yeah, I, I just I think that if they would have decided to go full on horror movie and appealed to the people that were interested in seeing that movie in the first place, you know, people who grew up watching 80s slashers or people in a younger generation that, you know, that found those movies and went back and discovered all of them, I think that they would have enjoyed it a lot more if it would have been rated R. Yeah, it would have just felt more like one of those 80s horror movies, and that's feeling more like one of those movies would have helped this film quite a bit, I think. Mm. Uh, you are correct. It's the Insidious movies are, in fact, PG-13. Uh, it's the Conjuring movies that are rated R. That's what I was thinking of. <clears throat> uh, did you have any favorite deaths, Doug? Even though they weren't as gory as you had hoped? Um... I liked it when the guy just got hit by a car because it came out of nowhere and it made me laugh. <laughs> it, was, it was a full-on laugh-out-loud moment where that. So what's I forget the character's name. He's the older brother. Duncan, and he's he's already been. We thought he was already killed, and he wanders back on. He's like, "I'm not dead, guys!" And then a car just takes him out. And I thought that was really fun. Um, uh, and of course, he's our uh, horror aficionado that knows everything. Yeah, and yet he's the first one to, to get a machete in the side. And then, as you said, hey, guys, I'm okay, and then gets run over by a car. Yeah, so that was probably, like, that was one of the few, like, real laugh-out-loud moments for me in the movie, <laughs> where I was just like, yeah, that's, in this type of movie, that's a great death. Not a great slasher kill, per se, but. <laughs> no, but I do like that they set this Paula girl up, like, she's the badass girl that's going to come save everybody. And then she, like, freaks out and runs after they have this little flashback. Yeah. It completely wrecks her car. Her car just explodes. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> what about you, Tony? Do you have any favorite deaths? I, I like the, the dude in the midriff. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the Adam, football jersey guy. Adam Levine, who's supposed to be the jock of this movie. Yeah. Which is laughable. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was fun. He did a good job with his, his character of just, like, playing up that clearly like making fun of all those douchebags from those 80s movies and then, <laughs> he's the one you wanted to see killed you knew it was coming and it paid off pretty well yeah I did like though that they 
when they were trying to distract him from going to have sex, he did. Uh, uh, he says he, he he says something, and the guy's like, "Oh, I got two dads." Yeah. And he's like, "What? Gay guys don't have kids. They go to discos and have sex with each other. Sounds like a pretty cool lifestyle." <laughs> I did. I did like that he started out just like very homophobic, and by the end of the sentence, he was like, "Oh, that's actually pretty nice. That's what, sounds pretty good, actually." Uh, that was so good. Um. Uh, I thought the horny girl getting knocked up on Adderall was pretty funny. Yeah, I I, I thought it got it, it dragged on a little long, but the joke that they had to like tie her up and like tape oven mitts <laughs> on her to keep her clothes on because if she took her clothes off, the killer would show up. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty funny joke. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought I think it's a lot of fun. Just don't like. Uh, don't expect a gory movie. Obviously, that's the big thing that both of you are kind of uh, disappointed with. Yeah, I mean... I, I agree some more blood would have been a lot more fun, I think. I, I feel pretty strongly that slashers need gore. I mean, I, we've kind of had this conversation about a couple of different movies on this podcast where there's... Once you bring in and make it sort of slasher or slasher-y, it's like, well, then we're here for the kills. And good kills have gore in them, generally speaking. And and slasher films are are specifically blood, guts, tits, and ass. I mean that's that is what a slasher film is supposed to be. So, I I always had that issue with PG thirteen slashers as well. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Well, Doug, did you watch anything this week? I did, in fact, watch things this week. Oh, yeah? What to tell us about it? Well, because I haven't double-checked what I watched this week yet, and I don't want to <laughs> say the wrong thing. And... Oh yeah, okay. So they put it in open water three, and you know my policy: uh, if there's yeah. a shark in the movie, I watch it. Yeah. So I didn't even know this was coming. Open water three, cage dive. Did you, did you, did you even know that was a movie? Uh, I did, but I haven't. Still, haven't even watched the first two, so I felt like I would be lost in the plot line. And isn't it basically just forty-seven meters down, or no? No, they forty-seven meters down. They stay in the cage, and this one they go in the cage. But then there's a rogue wave that knocks them out of the cage. And then the rest of the movie, they're just drifting in the ocean, much like the original Open Water. Um, except How this original. One is, this one is done entirely found footage format because the three main characters are filming themselves because they are trying out to be contestants on a reality TV show of some sort. Which is, uh, I guess, why they're such douchebags and very unlikable throughout the first half of the movie. <laughs> and I really didn't like any of the characters, which was a very big problem. Um, but the, the thing about this movie is, okay, so the writing isn't very good. I'm hesitant to say the acting's not good because one of the actors liked my Instagram post when I put it up saying I was watching this movie. <laughs> but it, it's not great. It's not The acting isn't terrible. 
I mean, it's mostly the characters that they're playing that are the problem. Um, but there's some real potential here when the sharks start showing up. There is some real good shots of the sharks underwater and different things like that. So there's some really neat moments of like at one point they're up on like a life raft and they're it's night so they're like they've got a light on their camera thing and they're shining it in the water like looking for something and a shark goes by like under the water and I, I assume it's CGI but since sharks don't look real anyway it really works quite well and there's a few other moments like that where you, you know you get the camera underwater and you can just see a person's legs and a shark swimming underneath it and stuff like that so whoever the filmmaker is I don't know his name some real potential there for quality filmmaking maybe if he hires somebody else to write the scripts kind of thing um, or develop the characters. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's free on Netflix if people want to watch it. Like I say, there's some cool moments, but there's just some stuff in here. Like the three main characters are two guys and a girl. So uh, in a shocking turn of events, there's a love triangle that gets to play out while they're drifting in the water. <laughs> that's and the best like, time to hash that kind of stuff out. Yeah. Stranded in like, the ocean. So they, like they tease it early in the movie, and as soon as they teased it, I'm just like, oh fuck! Like we're gonna be drifting in the water, and these people are gonna be arguing about their relationship, and I I just don't want that. <laughs> like I just I I don't want that to happen, and now I know it's gonna happen because otherwise they wouldn't have set this up. And it's like okay, and then when it gets there, and the other thing is like, there's just some moments where it's like, okay, you made up a plot point again, probably trying to stretch it to feature length or whatever. Uh, I try not to be too critical of indie filmmakers who are just trying to do their thing but like they get on a life raft at one point and then they blow up the life raft and end up back in the water and you're just like but that that can't be how really like it's (laughs) they really did that (laughs) yeah yeah okay so i mean this this is spoiler territory so anyone who's thinking of watching it just so you know but it's literally like they're drifting in the ocean for days most of the people around them have been eaten by sharks they did a decent job of setting up the fact that the water in the area is baited so that there will be sharks when they go cage diving. Um, so they're all worried and they're scared and they're drifting and there's just like three of them hanging onto a life vest that they found. And they find a one of those floating life raft things and they inflate it and they climb on and they've got food and water and flares and yada yada yada. Eventually one of the flares goes off inside the little tent thing and you're just like that it doesn't even really make sense that the people would freak out to the point of setting off a flare inside the tent thing after they have found the, the raft like if they you would expect that level of freak out to happen when you're drifting in the water not once you're reasonably safe see i would have figured it would have been something asinine like one of them is a punk rocker and so they were swimming with like a studded dog collar on or something <laughs> laid down because they just couldn't stay awake any longer and laid against the raft and popped it. (laughs) (laughs) See, what you've proven to me is it could have been much worse. (laughs) You know, I mean, one of them had braces and they, and and they were so hungry and tired that they thought that the life raft was a, what is an incredibly large, like, I don't know, can't fucking, I don't know, donut and took a bite out of it and popped it. You know, it's like, but really like they lit a fucking flare in the, in, Oh man. Coming soon from Scotchworthy Productions. Punk Rock Shark Diver. Punk Rock Shark Diver. (laughs) Well, no, and and it would be directed by the modern master of the macabre. Uh, I don't know know who that is. (laughs) 
I, I, at this point, neither do we. We're wondering where Barbecue Massacre 2 is. Ben Lewandowski yeah. is like dead set on sitting in a theater and watching the sequel to the award-winning blockbuster hit Barbecue Massacre. We didn't win no awards. That's ridiculous. Everybody I was trying to butter. Awards. I was trying to get it all buttered up so the audience would want to see it. Uh, so back to Open Water Three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I say, some really cool shots of the sharks um, swimming around underwater. A couple of halfway decent shark kills. They do a good job of keeping the CGI sharks in the background so they don't look so CGI, um, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, pretty annoying characters. And I don't know if you want to put up with them for the hour and a half running time. <laughs> I, again, I'm a total sucker for shark movies, so they put it in open water four i'll be watching it but. <laughs> i was gonna say are you a fan of the first two i've never actually seen them so i the first one i haven't seen it in a bit i really liked it when it was new um it it just does a really good job of it's it's just two people adrift in the ocean for much of the movie um and it does a really good job i think those characters are better established than these characters and they're or they feel like more more like real people that I would actually want to know, whereas these people will feel like game show contestants. Um, so, so yeah, I, I am a big fan of the first on water. And I, the, I, again, I'm, I'm hesitant to say too much because I haven't seen it in a while. But it's the way it was shot. I remember feeling, you know, that weird version of claustrophobia that exists when you're alone in a big open space. I don't know what that's called. But it really did a good job of establishing that with the, like the wide shots, and the the shark stuff is not it's not as prevalent as it is in this movie or in a lot of other movies. There's not just giant great whites around all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one I thought was pretty good. And the second one, I remember enjoying it. I only saw it once. It's like this ludicrous thing where these spoiled rich kids go out in a boat, go swimming, and forget to put the ladder down so they can't get back on the boat. Which is just a hilarious plot to say out loud, but I remember kind of enjoying it. <laughs> that does sound funny. But it's it's weird. There's like a lot of these movies now about people like adrift in the ocean that you can actually like. It's like a subgenre of the subgenre of filmmaking that is shark movies, where you've got like now three of these movies. You've got The Reef, which came out about uh, 2010, maybe that was like actually pretty good and it, it was all about people whose boats capsized and they were adrift in the in the same waters as these people off Australia so it's interesting to me that there's a whole subgenre of filmmaking that kind of grew out of the original open water see now what they need to do in my opinion is they need to create a like a baby of two subgenres the trapped out in open water meets the underwater nazi zombie movie so it'd be like shockwaves meets open okay. water. So like they're just drifting and all of a sudden they're getting grabbed up by zombies and they're like, oh, look what world we're in now. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding 100, 150,000%. But uh, well, but if somebody from the sci-fi channel is listening, then you might not be. Uh-oh. They probably are listening, trying to steal more Brian ideas. Uh, that's just the asylum in general. Fuck them. Did you watch anything else, Doug? Uh... Not really. I rewatched Solo because it came out on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. and I don't know my feelings on it. I don't think I've changed much since when we talked about it when it was new. So I don't know what there is to say. 
and I watched the trailer for the new Pet Cemetery like five times because that uh, looks pretty fucking good. All right, let's get into that because I know you're excited for it. Okay, Tony, did you watch the new trailer? Yeah, I mean, of course I did because I know the guys directed it. So, oh, really? well, when the Muck was doing its festival tour, uh, it played at the Stanley Film Festival in yeah. Colorado before their movie Starry Eyes. So, you know, we ch- chatted a bit then, and, and I've you know had some Facebook conversations with one of the directors, Kevin Kolsch, who super down to earth guy, really nice, and um, and so I. To me, it's more so about the success story that I'm interested in as opposed to a remake of a movie that I don't think really needed a remake. Mm-hmm. Um, I am kind of in the middle. Uh, that I think there's some cool imagery in the trailer. I think the yeah. kids with the animal masks on and stuff is really cool. Yeah. Uh, but then everything else seems like exactly the same. It does seem like they are directly remaking, um, yeah. at least from the trailer. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. They're remaking the movie. That's I mean that that yeah. the question of whether it should be remade or not is is not yeah. relevant. The question is, does it look good? Yeah. And for me, I, I mean, I, I like listening to John Lithgow talk. Mm-hmm. He looks great with that big bushy beard. I mean, like no weird it, main accent though. No, and better not to do a poor one. Um, yeah, I know that's true. I mean that that, that wouldn't fly very well. But so just, I don't just hearing sometimes dead is better without that accident without that accent just doesn't seem right to me. It was delivered extremely well though, and that's like I like creepy John Lithgow. I think he's great oh. when he takes on these yeah. types of roles. So don't get me wrong, I love creepy John Lithgow. That's that's a big part of what it is that has me excited for this movie because. If it didn't look good, I would just watch the original again. I don't. I, there's mm. nothing. There's lots of movies that come out in theaters that I don't go to see because if they don't look good, I'm not wasting my time. And that's this one actually does look good. I'm actually getting. I'm actually getting excited for it. I, I agree with your statement that it does look like they're really retreading the ground from the original film. Mm. So Amanda's big question was, when do we get? When do we get to see Zelda? Yeah, that was me too. Because that's the most terrifying part of that movie. Fucking Zelda. Jesus Christ. Her and so, Victor Pascal, they didn't show him either in the trailer. Uh, they showed a couple quick shots, but nothing. Did they? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't think he was. It, it was shots of him like in the hospital uh, the, the day he dies, right? Yeah. yeah, there's one shot, and then the shot of the mom walking through the house with the kid, and you see him standing in the background, like in a dark okay. corner. And that's pretty much it. So. I don't know. We'll see in April. I was not a big fan of uh, them uh, remaking it, and that turned out to be pretty fantastic. So, obviously, I was wrong then. Hopefully, I'll be wrong this time. See, that's hilarious because I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the it remake. So, <laughs> not that I'm saying it was bad, just that I didn't understand what everybody was so excited about. Yeah, I think it was just that horror audiences you know the younger ones especially are not used to a horror film with that type of context in it and you know in terms of the monster and the supernatural nature of it because if you think about it the extent of supernatural horror films at least blockbuster ones in the last 10 years have all been haunting movies so now all of a sudden you throw this 
you know, kind of monstrous boogeyman clown character into it and, and all these outlandish situations and, um, and some really cool locations with all the sewer stuff and everything. And I think it really kind of opened the eyes to uh, a generation of horror fans who were not used to that type of horror film, but people our age were. And, and I didn't personally mind it so much because it was a regression back to the types of, you know, the themes in movies that I grew up enjoying that I haven't seen a lot of in horror movies lately. So um, that's why I liked it. And I liked the fact that it was obviously an 80s thing because you, as Brian said, I'm a huge 80s fan. Um, but uh, I didn't I didn't like it as much as the original. I thought the miniseries had it been an R-rated theatrical released film would have been significantly scarier than uh i i don't i think that the sars guard uh pennywise is just not scary at all i think he's silly um but other than that it's a total tangent yeah uh well did you watch anything recently tony you want to talk about well, since I'm in Derek Carey's uh, 31 Days of Halloween or October group or whatever, where, you know, everybody's basically supposed to watch a horror movie a day for the month of October and then write a little post about it. Um, I haven't really spent a lot of time in the last year watching movies, so I, I kind of told myself, tis the season, so I need to. Um, so I watched... I've watched a whole bunch of movies. I watched Fright Night. I watched Fright Night 2. I watched the original House from 1985. I watched uh, a movie called Delirium, which came out this year. But it's not the Topher Grace one. It's the one with the... It's kind of half found footage with a bunch of like fraternity brothers that are in a... It's basically It's My Party and I'll Die If I Want To. Um, made with fraternity brothers and found footage. Everybody rips um, off Tony Wash. No, 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 no. And, and if you would have read my post on in the Facebook group, um, you would have seen that that you know, it's my party is clearly a ripoff of Night of the Demons, you know. So it's not like it's not like it's anything original in the first place. But what I mean by saying that, because I'm not that cocky to where I'm going to say it blatantly rips my movie off, except for the fact that there are legitimately like a half a dozen scenes in the movie that are like almost shot for shot recreations of it's my party, which is weird. You know, it's like, it's, abs it's just weird that it's no, like, no, I was, I was saying it as a uh, compliment to you. You're always yeah. ahead of you're ahead of the game. You come up with ideas. And then like five years later, like somebody else makes like the big budget version of it. Oh yeah. Like overlord. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, everybody check out uh, Tony's short film, uh, chance in hell. That he was using as a springboard for a feature film, and then go go watch the Overlord trailer, the new J.J. Abrams uh, produced movie. And yeah, I, <laughs> somebody owes Tony some money. Yeah, I, I'd be willing to bet that uh, someone somewhere got a hold of our script back in 2011, and somehow along the road got it passed along to J.J. Abrams, and now here it is, slightly rewritten, and and the title changed to protect the innocent, or those who should be paid you know fucking a percentage for coming up with the idea in the first place and you know here we are now um but you know it's the same that you could say about your abraham lincoln versus the vampires you know movie or zombies movie you know it's it's the unfortunate thing with hollywood is you can't tell people your ideas 
without having a non-disclosure agreement. Otherwise, somebody's going to steal your idea. And I feel like that's happened multiple times, you know, but I appreciate your compliment because I do believe that we are ahead of the curve more often than not. I mean, you know, when we had the muck even in 2013, that was an 80s horror film. We had the feature length written, ready to go. It was basically the blob in a subdivision. And that was in 2014. And now here you see everything is an 80s resurgent film and people are sick of it at this point it's like well you know it sucks because if we could have gotten the muck produced and financed back in 2015 when we wanted to make it we would have been ahead of the game again and you know suffering from the independent woes of not having the, the money or the you know the producers to give you the exposure to go and make the movie when when you know when we had first written it um, and as a result, I'm still working a bullshit day job. So, motherfuckers, right. motherfuckers. But uh, but the yeah, so, delirium's good. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. I, I'd say out of all the movies that I've watched for the 31 Days of Horror Challenge um, so far, that I had not already seen a million times, like the classics, like Fright Night and House. Um, it was probably it, it was in the the top tier, because um, I also watched The Being, which is this crappy '80s early '80s monster movie that stars Martin Landau that was clearly buried for a very long time in some editing room because it's just absolute dog trash. Um, I, I think I think that somebody took a dump on the film reel. And then they tried to salvage the edit after 30 years of fecal deterioration. <laughs> it uh, is coming soon from Scotchworthy Productions. Fecal deterioration, dude. That's such a good. I, I got to text Ben that right now. That's <laughs> such a great idea for a fucking horror title. Fecal deterioration. Fecal deterioration, dude. That's great. Um, trying to think of what else i watched so i watched uh, i watched house by the cemetery which is lucille falsy greatness um is that the one with bob though oh yeah mom mom i saw that girl mom (laughs) and uh and then that terrible scene with the 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 rubber bat that the dad's got to stab after five minutes of it biting his hand um you know it's basically the I always compare that to the scene in Phantasm when the finger turns into a bug. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. So there was Delirium, House, Fright Night, Fright Night 2. Uh, oh, I watched uh, Dr. Phoebe's Rises Again. Mm, which, not, as, not as good as the original Dr. Phoebe's. Dude, it's just not good. It, And I thought at the very least maybe I'll get a kick out of like how colorful and 70s it is it's just totally outlandish but the set pieces are interesting and stuff but no it was it was just absolutely terrible um i really didn't like it at all theater of blood um, is a much better sequel to dr fives than dr fives rises again okay yeah. yeah i'll have to watch that i've never seen that i've i've only seen a handful of the quote-unquote hammer films you know the vincent mm-hmm. price peter cushing christopher lee films and mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of majority of them because they are so theatrical by nature. Oh, oh then you'll hate theater blood. Then never mind. <laughs> then, then maybe I shouldn't watch that. Like my favorite. No, I think you probably like it. 
right. And, and I like the actors, and that's part of the mm-hmm. thing is I will always be a fan of Peter Cushing and Vincent Price in particular. I was never a huge fan of Christopher Lee. Um, I always just kind of thought he was a dick, you know, <laughs> which when you're Dracula, you're kind of supposed to be a dick. But even in his later movies, you know, when he was in Sleepy Hollow and, and some of the other films when he kind of had that resurgence um, in the 90s and the 2000s, I just... I was like, man, this guy's a real dick. I don't, I don't really care for him all that much. But I love Horror Express. That is my favorite Hammer film, easily. Yeah, Theater of Blood has Vincent Price as a scorned uh, stage actor who believes he should have won an award. And he commits suicide by jumping off a balcony in front of the entire uh, uh, award panel of judges. Uh, but it turns out he didn't die, and he actually lives in a broken-down theater with an army of homeless people. I was just sitting here waiting for you to get to army of homeless people. Yeah, army of hobos, as I like to call it. And then he starts killing off each of one of the judges in a very Shakespearean way. Yeah, it sounds very much like Dr. Pibes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite Vincent Price movies. I love it, though. Man, I want to go watch it. But you have to finish the podcast first. That's I cool. guess. Um, all right. Was that it? Anything else, Tony? Uh, I can't remember what I did for day one. Day two, I, did, I watched RoboCop, which I got, you know, basically yelled at by Derek that that's not a horror film, even though I believe it's more of a horror film than half the horror movies that people are watching in that group. Um <laughs> But uh, let's just tell them, hey, fuck you, it's RoboCop. And that's a good enough explanation. Exactly. And, you know, right now, Bloody Disgusting had written a post um, a week ago uh, that Amazon Prime has the X-rated version of RoboCop on. And so Mm. I was like, I have to check it out. And uh, and yeah, it's it's cool. It does not disappoint in the blood and and guts area. Um, So I definitely enjoyed seeing it. because I haven't watched RoboCop in a number of years, um, but it was that was a really fun watch, and it created a really awesome debate in the group amongst a large number of people. I'd say there's probably about 70 comments in that thread right now, um, and it's and it's kind of split down the fence. You know, there's there's people who think it is a horror film, and there's people or could be considered one, and there's people who don't. And uh, you know, it, it's just a kind of a fine line because you look at movies like Predator and alien and those to me can be considered horror films uh aliens in particular is is definitely i would consider it a horror film but it's more of an action sci-fi movie than it is a horror film so Mm. so create an interesting discussion it's weird how people feel the need to argue about what fits into what category and it's like well somebody thinks it's a horror movie that makes it a horror movie to them i always say leave them be and, and, I, and that was my mentality from the start. I even said in my post, I'm like, some people may not consider this a horror movie, but I do. And then Derek started criticizing me, and, and that's fine. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that, that his opinion didn't, you know, he didn't stomp my opinion to the ground. But at the same time, his opinion didn't agree with mine, and so it created this debate. But I said, I'm like, this has blood, it has guts, it has lots of violence, it's got profanity, it's got nudity, and ultimately it's it's a scary outlook at a potential future that this country might be moving towards. Not you, since you're our northern friend and you guys are all peaceful and fun-loving and eat poutine all day. 
Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you're... Brian, you're my southern neighbor. So I don't know what you're talking about there, Tony. I can't imagine our current state of affairs where we'd privatize the police force and... Uh... Oh, wait. Never mind. <laughs> oh, wait. You know, and uh, crime is out of control and yada, yada, yada. I mean, it's just... You know, it, it, it's a scary potential future. And so I I argue that that's why I considered it horror. And I wanted to talk about it because I was excited to have seen the X-rated version. And it's not a substantial difference, but there's, especially with Murphy's initial death, there is a, a handful of, of shots that were not in the original cut that I've seen my entire life um, mm-hmm. in loving that movie. And so it was a really cool experience. And I wanted this group of clearly diehard cinephiles to, to know that this existed. And, and as a result, a handful of people were like, dude, I'm going to check that out now. Thanks for letting me know. So horror or not, Derek, we have fans. Yeah. I'm fuck sorry. you, Derek. Especially fuck if you're you, listening Derek. to this. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you hard, Derek. Yeah. He's never going to listen to this. I, I don't know who Derek is, but <laughs> Derek's a great guy. We love him. Should I be defending him right now as you guys yell at him? <laughs> no. No, this is just how this is how our friendships are. I mean, you, you, Brian and I pretty much call each other a dick on a daily basis. So, yeah, we love each other and give each other big bear hugs every time we see each other. That's adorable. <laughs> it, it is adorable. We are cute. <laughs> yes, we are. All right. Um, let's see. I only watched, like, we'll say one and a half things. Um. So as I mentioned, I went to Cinema Wasteland in Cleveland, which is a fun, almost eight-hour drive from my house, uh, one way. So uh, we got there on Friday night late, and luckily the midnight movie was getting ready to start. So we wandered over and watched uh, Michael Ironside in Visiting Hours. Uh, I remember seeing it before, but was not a big fan of it. But I don't know if it was just watching it with a crowd, but I had a lot of fun. It's basically just Michael Ironside stalking through a hospital, killing people. That does sound fun. Yeah. Uh, He's like after like a news reporter and attacks her in her home and she ends up in the hospital. So he spends the rest of the movie trying to sneak into the hospital so that he can kill her. And uh, there's people along the way. I don't know if I've ever actually seen that one in its entirety or not. Is it kind of like... Um, do you think that maybe they pulled some references for the Night Slasher scene uh, scenes in Cobra? Yeah. <laughs> I had to bring up Cobra. <laughs> uh, maybe. There's a little similar sort of uh, aspect to yeah, the, him sneaking into the hospital and trying to kill people. Because wasn't it in Cobra that he like kills a doctor and wears the wears the uh, lab coat or whatever around no he's a janitor he kills the janitor oh it's and, janitor. uh yeah and then kind of goes in and is trying to get brigitte nielsen you yeah. know yeah, so. I, was trying, well, I remember when we were watching it, i'm like was that this movie or was it cobra where he did that so so i mean there's enough enough uh similar stuff that i was wondering if the scene i remembered was from that movie or this movie it, um, it was just i had to bring up cobra you know, you yeah, can't talk Cobra. movies without talking about Cobra. Of course. Fucking Cobra. We talked about it on the show before. Yeah. We did, we did a double feature of Commando and Cobra. Oh, my God. That's so many deaths. <laughs> we had, like, various websites up debating which movie had the higher death toll. 
Isn't it? <laughs> isn't Commando a higher death count? I think we agreed it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was just because of the deaths from the explosions at the military camp or whatever. Either way. Um, yeah, visiting hours. It was fun. Just a slasher movie. Literally Michael Ironside with a switchblade killing people in a hospital. So you could do worse. And he's a great killer. Michael Ironside's one of the best villains, in my opinion, of all time. Easily. Love Michael Ironside. Yeah, I think that's a very non-controversial <laughs> statement right here. Yeah, I mean, from just from you know Total Recall, and then you start getting into some of the older, lesser-known horror films. Like I love him in Watchers with Corey Haim. Oh, I haven't seen that in a long time. That's yeah. that's one you should revisit. Because um, I always love that movie. It's a really cheesy monster movie, but I'm such a sucker for monster films, similar to you with shark movies, Doug. So yeah. um, when I was a kid, uh, that's one of the first horror novels like adult horror novels that i read uh my aunt was like well you know you should read this because if you like stephen king you're gonna love dean Koontz." and so i read watchers and just fell in love with dean Koontz from that moment and my dad rented that movie once um after i'd read the book and it was cool it's it's again it's cheesy but it's Corey Haim and it's michael ironside and it's just an 80s monster movie so it's a lot of fun and there's some great deaths in it so Really yeah. cool movie. Well, Nothing that, like that, the book, but no, nothing as, like as, the book. As a standalone movie, it's not horrible. No, but nothing like the book. Right. Well, now you got to recommend a second movie similar to it, so I can add it to our list of movies we're going to make <laughs> these guys watch for the podcast. Uh, similar well, to it, as in like the original or the remake? No, similar to Watchers. Oh, similar to Watchers. You uh, should just do do a Dean Koontz watchathon and do Watchers and Whispers. Remember Whispers? No. I uh, never saw the movie, but I know the book. The The book is great. The book is absolutely, it's creepy and fucked up and um, really, really good. The movie is not as great, but the movie still has its moments. Um, I want to say I have that on VHS. I don't think it ever got a proper DVD release. Um, mm. Man, I need to try and find that now. Uh but yeah, it's cool. It's basically, um, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I read the book when I was 12, so I don't even remember half of what it's about. But it's like a woman, I, I want to say she's either a writer or some, some sort of public, like semi-public figure, and she has somebody, uh, I don't remember how she meets the guy, but she meets this guy and he becomes obsessed with her, and he's a killer, and he kind of comes after her, and... Uh, she ends up killing him, but then after she kills him, she keeps seeing him, and he keeps coming after her and tormenting her. And I really don't want to give anything away, but it's—I mean—it's a really cool, fucking weird ass movie and book, for that matter. Um, but yeah, you could do that as kind of a Dean Koontz movie a thon, or pick another creature film to watch. Um, you know, do Leviathan. By the, the great George P. Cosmatos, director of such classics as Tombstone, Rambo First Blood Part Two, and the best movie of all time, Cobra. <laughs> uh, we got a couple options. It's too bad we did uh, Bad Moon on the old show. Because we could just have a movie with dogs as the uh, heroes. Bad Moon's a cool point. movie. 
Bad Moon is awesome. Yeah. yeah. We reviewed it on our old incarnation of the show, and none of us had seen it, and we were all very surprised how good it was. It's one of those um, under-the-radar mid-90s movies because it was, like, direct-to-video, and it was, like, where the video store had one copy of it, and that was back when I was still uh, either working at the video store. When I don't remember if that came out in, like, 95, 96, somewhere around there, I want to say. I think it was 96. Yeah, and, and so I was working at the video store, so at that point I was just renting every horror movie that came out, and that that is a memorable memorably one of the the few direct-to-video mid-90s horror films that I really, really enjoyed a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm the really kicking myself because I don't have a history of working at video stores. I wish I did. No, neither do I. I applied, to work, I applied to work at Suncoast Video here in town, and uh, they did not hire me. Those but motherfuckers. I, but then I would go in there and listen to some of their clerks tell people that they didn't want to buy widescreen movies because they just blocked out the top and the bottom of the screen <laughs> to make it look more like the movie. And I'm just sitting there screaming in my head going, no, you're completely wrong. You're seeing more of the movie. You're an yeah. idiot. Pan and scan is for losers. Yeah. <sighs> Um, so then the other one, which I count as a half a watch is that, uh, we went back to the hotel to go to sleep, to wake up, you know, for the convention the next day. And we were flipping around TV for finding something to watch and randomly on some premium cable channel. I don't even know which one, uh, Wes Craven's deadly friend was playing. Nice. And it literally was probably five minutes before the infamous scene where she smashes mama Fatelli's head with the basketball. It's a hard five minutes to wait through <laughs> when you know that's coming. Oh, especially yeah, that movie's, when, uh, that movie's bad. Especially when your wife has never seen it, so you have to explain to her the plot up to that point. It's like, why is she walking that way? Why is she holding her hands that way? I'm like, well, technically she's a robot yeah, in she's her brain, robot. which is why now she's super powerful. And I'm just like, okay, she just smashed her head. We don't need to watch anymore. We can go to bed. <laughs> The I only love that movie. I acknowledge it's terrible. I just still love it. Oh god, I hate that movie. The only thing I liked about that movie was the commercial for it that was on television. Um when I was a kid that was like I you know how sometimes you just have things that like like just a, an image or a, a sound or a song or even a, a scent that mm-hmm. like just takes you back. Um just being a kid and I remember Remember that that movie was on TV and it was during a movie that my mom was taping off the television for me, like Rares of the Lost Ark or Ghostbusters or something. And that was in one of the commercial breaks. So then every time I watched that movie on that tape afterwards, um, I would see that commercial and just the song from that rings in my head, you know, to this day and, and is one of the most haunting soundtrack pieces I think I've ever heard. And then that, that image of her standing in the window with the curtains blowing. It's like, mm. deadly threat. Yeah, I just <laughs> fucking love it. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right. So next week, Noah will be making his big return. Uh, hopefully telling us stories of fighting off pirates and such while he was down in the Caribbean. 
or the ship sinks and he's got to fight off sharks, which would probably really appeal to your co-host, Doug. Yeah, if if he uh, if he has to fight a shark and he doesn't get a camera and give me some pictures, that'd be very upset. Now that I know you can make a found footage of you with sharks in it. <laughs> uh, and we let Noah pick the uh, the movies since he was gone this week. He didn't really have any say in what we were recording and mentioned that he was a little disappointed that he could not rewatch uh, Last Action Hero for the show. Uh, so we're going to be talking about uh, Evil Speak with Clint Howard, and then uh, Brain Scan with Edward Furlong. So two movies that have to do with computer slash video games. One of them's really good. The other one I remember being good. So we'll have to see what happens. Watching it. <laughs> which one of these? Which one of those are you considering good? Brain Scan. Uh, no, I remember Evil Speak being pretty good. Okay. I haven't watched a brain scan in forever, so I'm imagining it's probably going to be terrible. The the theme song will get stuck in your head. Get ready for it. Uh, so, Tony, once again, if you people want to check out all your shit you got going on, where should they go? Uh, I would say the best bet would be to, to just find us on Facebook. It seems like most people in the civilized world have Facebook these days, so you can uh, either find me, Tony Wash, uh, and friend request me. I tend to do most of my promoting through my personal page just because, you know, it's, I think it's easier. Um, so you can find me there or Scottsworthy Productions has a, a Facebook page as well as all of our movies um, for the most part, you know, Skeletons in the Closet. Um, or go to scottsworthy.com. Jump on there. It is the season. Order yourself some, some great horror films, support independent art. And, uh, you know, you go to the store at scottsworthy.com and um, you know, buy buy a movie, pre-order a copy of Skulls in the Closet. You'll love it. Trust me, it's fun. Yeah, buy a movie, support uh, independent filmmakers. Make it so Tony doesn't have to work his day job anymore. Yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> but thanks uh, for having me on the show, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun bullshit movies, even though I didn't watch it. But. <laughs> You son of a bitch. Yeah, I know I'm a dick. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.